This is the Sexual Alchemy Podcast for men who want to discover and embrace profound confidence, intimacy, pleasure, and connection. I'm Rebecca Lowry, and I invite you to explore who you really are as a confident, sexual, and sensual man. Whether you're dealing with specific sexual issues, or you just know there's more to it than you've experienced so far, this is a safe space for you to learn, grow, and expand your erotic potential and possibilities. Hello, and welcome to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast. I get asked a lot about how did I come to this work? Is it something I always wanted to do? You know, how did I end up as a sexual alchemist? And I get asked it whenever I meet new people. I get asked it when I am guesting on other people's podcasts or when I'm doing interviews. And I tend to give a short version of the story or a kind of potted version because, you know, usually in those situations, nobody wants to hear the long story. But I've been asked a few more times right around the time that I was doing the Festival of Sexuality. So I thought I would just do a podcast about it and I can give you the full Technicolor story about how I came to this work. So you might want to pause and go make yourself a cup of tea, grab a couple of biscuits, (laughs) because I'm going to give the whole story, not just the short version of it. So when you're ready. So I first became sexual around the age of 16. I had a boyfriend. We were each other's first. We didn't know what we were doing. I remember thinking, there's something to that, but I'm not sure what all the fuss is about. And we explored a bit more together and we broke up within a few months. But I knew there was something there that felt like home. It was like we weren't good at it, but I think there was something there. And I had a lot of sexual energy. I had, I was a, like highly aroused all the time. And, you know, I was raised at a time when women were not supposed to be promiscuous, let's say. Women were supposed to keep their legs shut and men were supposed to sow their wild oats. And God knows who they were supposed to sow wild oats with because the women were supposed to be keeping their legs shut (laughs) and we weren't supposed to want sex or like sex or whatever. But I didn't feel like that. I felt like I liked it. I was curious about it and I wanted to find out more. And so I started sleeping with different people out of curiosity. Yeah. And sometimes I made really good decisions, learned loads about myself and about sexuality, had a good time, had a laugh. Other times I was not making such good choices. Sometimes that was down to drinking too much. I mean, this was not a lot younger. Drinking too much. There was a year or two of drug taking and I wasn't always making good decisions or having good experiences. But I still felt like I was in my natural habitat when I was in a sexual situation. And when the sex was, didn't always have to be great for me to have this experience, but when it was anywhere from not terrible through to amazing, I felt like I was plugged into the universe. I didn't have that kind of language back then. I couldn't have told you exactly what it meant or what I meant or what that feeling was, but I felt I just felt more myself. I felt whole. I felt, uh, what words do I want to put on it? 
like my world went from black and white to technicolor, like I was in touch with source, something. It was magnificent. And it was the, not the sex itself, but the feeling in me was just the, the best feeling. I felt whole and complete and a whole bunch of things that it's really hard to put words on. And so for many years, I explored. Sometimes I was in a monogamous relationship. Sometimes I was in a monogamous relationship and we both explored outside of that, not consensually because neither of us knew how to do that at the time. And then in between relationships, I explored as I wanted to. So sometimes that was a lot. Sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes I was very choosy about who I explored with and sometimes not. But there was something inside me driving me. I was so curious about sexuality. And for a long time, I used to say that I wasn't interested in small talk. Like, if I wanted to get to know you, sex was the best way to get to know you. Not what's your favorite color, what food you like to eat, what music you listen to. That could tell me some things about you. But if I had sex with you, that then I would know you from the inside. There were things I could know about you in a whole other deep soul way. And I would say that's still true today. And that was, I don't know, that was for many, many years of my life. And I had some rotten relationship experiences. And at some point in my, probably in my 30s, I heard about Tantra. And I didn't really know what it was, but I felt like it probably held something important for me. And I would ask various boyfriends if they were interested in exploring it with me, and they weren't, and they thought I was weird, and they thought Tantra was weird, and they didn't want to know. And I read a few books about it, but it didn't really open something up in me very much. It just kind of gave me, it was like breadcrumbs, you know, leading me somewhere, but didn't get me there. And then when I was, I think I was 38, I went to a very small festival called Buddhafield, very beautiful family kind of festival, no drink, no drugs. And I heard that there was a Tantra workshop that was going to happen. And I thought, great, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go along to that. So I started finding my way down the field. There was a big marquee at the bottom of the field where it was being held. And I noticed that all these people were running past me, running down the field towards that marquee. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to run, but I'm I'm curious to get there. And when I got there, not like moments after I arrived, somebody closed the door to the marquee and that was it. Nobody else was getting in. So I understood why people had been running because there was a, a space limit in the marquee and they were only letting a certain amount of people in. So I was very grateful to have been one of those people. So this was a two-hour taster workshop. And I don't for the life of me remember what we did. I mean, this was... <laughs> 17, 18, 19 years ago, many years ago. And in fact, I think it was 2004. Yeah, something like that. So 17, 18 years ago. We had an amazing experience. I don't remember exactly what happened during, but I do remember exactly what happened afterwards. So afterwards, that we had finished and people were milling about and some people were starting to leave and the teacher was, you know, gathering her things. And I remember looking at the teacher and having this like, I don't know, like film moment. So if you you know, in films where like a spotlight goes on and something happens under the spotlight, well, I kind of had a moment where the spotlight went on over the teacher 
and I heard words as if someone was whispering in my ear, you will do this work. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And I was watching the faces of the participants who had been in the workshop with me, and they all looked like they had just had the most ecstatic experience, like they had just seen the face of God. And it was amazing and beautiful and breathtaking. And it opened something up in me and scared me a bit. <laughs> so I I took one of the teacher's leaflets, because that's, you know, what we did back in the day. And I put it next to my PC, because I had a PC back then. And every few months, I would look at the leaflet, and I would open her website, and I would look and see what workshops she had coming up. And then I would probably cry a bit because something was moving in me, but I couldn't quite name what it was. And I just couldn't do anything about it. Eventually, 18 months later, (laughs) I found myself on one of her weekend workshops in Brighton. And it was very much still an introductory workshop, but obviously longer than the two hours that we'd spent together at Buddhafield. And I can't remember exactly what we did, but it was very intro. In fact, I think it was called Coming Home to Self. And that is the foundation of all sexuality work, of all tantra work, of, you know, self-development, self-awareness, personal development work, is you've got to come home to yourself. Who are you? You know, what works for you? What doesn't work for you? Where are your boundaries? Why are they there? What's your trauma? How are you healing? How are you addressing your stuff? Where? What's your shadow? You know, it's really the bottom line of all this kind of work. And we did things in pairs. We did things in groups. We did some things around uh, knowing our boundaries. We did some mirror work, something about looking into your own eyes. That one made me burst into tears. And it made me burst into tears because I realized I didn't really remember who I was. At this point, I had a young daughter. I was divorced and I'd kind of lost myself in motherhood. I had turned into... I don't know, a, a different version of a, a kind of cleaned up version of myself. And that made me really sad and I cried a lot. And the teacher then told us that within a few weeks, she was starting a six month program and it was for a closed group. So once you joined, it was just like these 20 people and we would meet one weekend a month for six months. And I knew I had to be there. I knew I had to get on that course. I didn't know how I was going to afford it. I didn't know how I was going to get my daughter looked after for one weekend a month. But I pretty much put up a call (laughs) to the powers that be and said, you know, if this is right for me, please help me make it work. And lo and behold, it did. And so a few weeks later, I found myself driving to Devon, which is where it was. It was residential took a woman with me who needed a lift, who was also going from London, and we became steadfast buddies, had great car journeys every time we went to and from London. And I was terrified. I cannot tell you how terrified. In fact, I was so terrified that the first night we were there, I had a nightmare. And in the nightmare, I dreamt that the next day we were asked to take our clothes off in one of the, you know, practices that we were doing, and that I was so scared of that, that when I woke up in the morning, actually out of the dream, I thought I was going to leave. I just thought, I can't do this. I'm, I'm out of here. And then I remembered that I had brought this woman with me, and I didn't want to ruin her experience. She wasn't going to have a way to get back to London without me. (laughs) So I stayed. And 
just had this amazing, amazing, amazing weekend. The second weekend, the following month, after I think it was the morning of the first day, the teacher came up to me and asked if I would take one of the men out at lunchtime and do a session for him. And I I was a bit baffled and said, what do you mean, do a session for him? I'm a student here. And she looked at me and said, you already know this stuff. You just don't know what you know, and we need to wake it up in you. So ask him if he wants to go out, and if he does, do a session. Still baffled, I went and asked him. He jumped at the chance, which surprised me. And so at lunchtime, we went and found a private place, and I asked him what was going on and what help did he need. And I knew what to do. Like, much to my surprise, I kind of knew like how to what to say and how to do some breathing with him and how to touch his body in a certain way. And we shifted a whole bunch of stuff for him that afternoon. And I was like, what the fuck was that? You know, like, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I would know what to do. So I spoke to the teacher and she said, look, come and study with me and let's wake this up in you. It's already there, but you need to get to know what you know. And so I completed that course with her and if I remember correctly, she started sending me clients and I then went on to assist her for a few years. So I attended all of her workshops and retreats that were for individuals and for couples and assisted. And I also went and studied with every other teacher of conscious sexuality, tantra, conscious kink, kink, BDSM, you know, all that kind of thing that was going on at the time, I went and studied with everyone that I could get to. And stuff was waking up in me. It was just, the only way I can put it, it was waking up. The teacher was still sending me clients. And I was amazed that I did know what to do with them. And this magical healing transformation would happen. And Eventually, about two years later, she said to me, the teacher said to me, you need a website now. This is your work. This is your calling. This is what you're meant to be doing. In fact, that was 2008, if I remember correctly. And so I built my first ever workshop with the help of a friend. It was some crappy free Yahoo site builder kind of thing (laughs) and started getting clients. And after I can't remember exactly, maybe six or eight months, I finished at my other work. So my other work had been, so I was already doing similar work. I was doing massage and healing and energy work for people with disabilities at a disability center and also had my own private practice doing that work. And so that foundation was already in me and I'd studied lots of sociology and philosophy and human growth and development and psychology and counseling. I I had that as a background. Then I got the body work and energy work. And then the sexuality piece came in. And it's like life knew very well what it was doing with me. It taught me how to be with my own sexual energy. It taught me how to connect it to my heart. It taught me how to move it through my body and create all kinds of mystical, magical orgasms. And it awakened my innate sexual healing my innate sexual healing, <laughs> no other into that sentence. And I never looked back. You know, I did the work at the Disability Foundation that I was doing, plus having clients in the sexuality realm that overlapped for, I don't know, maybe eight or nine months or maybe 
maybe longer, maybe a year or so. And and then this became my full-time work. And I would say it's not even work. It's my calling. It's something natural that comes through me. I could be having a bad day, for example, but a cl- put a client in front of me and something clicks into place. Something comes through me every time. I would go as far and be as bold to say as sometimes it's a transmission that happens, a transmission of energy, you know, being around me with intent to transform, heal, expand, explore, something will happen. It will awaken or trigger or move something within men who have that intention in a positive consensual way. And, you know, over the years, I have tried to quit the work, variety of reasons, but it always comes back to me. And then a few years ago, I made the conscious decision that I would claim and own and embrace this as my calling. And I've fucking loved it ever since, really enjoy it. And, you know, the work itself changes a bit over the years. It evolves, who I work with evolves. I would say what I call the bread and butter, the stuff I see a lot of is men who want to get and maintain better erections, men who want to last longer in bed, men who have either little experience sexually and intimately or little recent experience because of how their life or relationships have gone. And they want to get some experience and boost their confidence men who understand that there's a spiritual element to sexuality, but they couldn't quite find it on their own, men who are ready to open up in new ways, men who've had, you know, been told terrible things about themselves and about their sexuality and about their body, and they need to do some healing around that. And more recently, my most favorite thing, because it's so true to who I am, and maybe it'll make more sense now that I've given a bit of the history of how I came to this work, is uh, my Conscious Succubus session. And I did a whole episode about Conscious Succubus. I can't remember what number it was, but some time back. Um, but I'll just give you a little a little bit of it now, a snippet. So a succubus back in the day, historically, was thought to be a woman or a a creature who liked to drain men of their sexual energy. And she was portrayed as being demonic. But actually, that's not true. (laughs) That's not what they were at all. And in my adding conscious to it, conscious succubus is about, I love, love, like my favorite thing ever is to bask and revel in a man's sexual energy. For him to be in a very relaxed but high state of arousal and for me to be able to almost consume it, to to kind of share it with him and um, and his orgasmic energy, should he be in an orgasmic type of mood as well. And to be paid handsomely for doing so. And fortunately, there are many men out there that understand the value of that, what they get from that, um, that they get to experience high states of arousal through their whole body from a really deeply relaxed place. First of all, it's a unique experience in itself. They're not chasing anything down. And so it becomes healing in their system. They get total non-judgmental loving acceptance from me. And it's like a way of honoring the feminine. It can be, it doesn't have to be. And fortunately, lots of men understand that and really enjoy those sorts of sessions because those are my favorite at the moment. I still love all the other things I do, but the Conscious Succubus has to be my most favorite session that I've ever created. So your cup of tea's probably gone cold now. (laughs) That 
is the long version of how I came to my calling as a sexual alchemist and where I started and where I am today with it. Thank you for sticking around for the whole long story. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts or your feedback on that. And uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast with Rebecca Lowry. If this podcast has aroused your curiosity and you'd like to take things further, you can get a copy of my free video training, Reclaiming Your Intuitive, Confident, Sensual Self. The link is in the show notes below, wherever you are listening.